special uh special patreon request episode today guys we are uh, diving into murder by death from 1976 with a very famous cast and crew we talk about peter falk and truman capote alec guinness is in it um of course we're gonna also need to talk about peter sellers in his um <clears throat> the role he plays in this movie <laughs> Uh, <laughs> choices were made. Choi- yep, they were made. You uh, said uh, you said the word "roll" in a much less racist way than he would have said it oh, if that boy. word was in this movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about the movie Clue for sure, and then uh, obviously uh, we'll end on a discussion of murder mystery parties. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Boys Present a Free Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined by my non-problematic, I hope, <laughs> non-problematic friends, Joe and Duff. I've never used makeup to make it look like I was a different race. <laughs> Hello, Joe or Rob. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Why are you doing a Peter Sellers impersonation? <laughs> Please stop. Right now, like two force ghosts showed up and where Duff's recording, it's Peter Sellers and uh, Mickey Rooney just like <laughs> nodding in that that ethereal glow behind him. Like, <laughs> God, uh, yeah. So uh, we we're talking uh, murder by death. This is uh, our our uh, a, a Patreon a patron of our Patreon, uh, Mike. Who uh, guys? Uh, he chose a movie previously that he uh asked us to talk about and we talked about and uh i believe it was a midnight boys approved movie uh and that was a serious man that we talked about for sure um not a serious man peter sellers (laughs) (laughs) he's a serious jerk he did have four heart attacks which is serious business Uh, that's that's true uh all right so murder by death is um i mentioned in the intro about the movie clue i was uh, I'll quickly kind of get into a plot snaps on this, but I was pretty stunned about how much Clue is like. This is like a a grandfather of Clue, a father of Clue, I guess. It's only like what ten years difference about between a, the two. Just about a decade out, a little less. I think Clue was eighty five. Okay, um, but this is this is that. I mean, this is essentially you are uh, you know you're taking a, a big spooky house and a murder happens in the house. And people are trying to solve who did the murder. Uh, at its core, that's what it is. I think there's like there's a name for this sort of genre. Like a, I, I was researching a little it's bit, a, and I it's a whodunit. It's a whodunit, but there's also like a like a big creepy house effect too. Like it has to be all in a house. Like yeah, a, like a big Victorian mansion. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's like you know you could do thrillers and horrors that way, and then you can also do like more of a comedy, which Clue is, and this certainly is as well. Uh. But the cast is unbelievable. Uh, you've got Alec Guinness, Peter Falk, David Niven, Peter Sellers, Maggie Smith, um, Truman Capote. Uh, the Bride of Frankenstein herself, Elsa Lancaster. Elsa. Oh, is that? Is that? Okay. I mean, she was in a lot of stuff. She was right. a witness for the prosecution, but like, she's. I did not make she, that connection. She's the, the Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Um Right, yeah. So then uh, you have all these people. So, like, let me tell you guys. When I did not know about this movie until um, 
until Mike uh, requested we talk about it. I looked it up. I saw the cast. And I was like, oh, boy. Oh. I hit play with quite a bit of excitement. Because um, I didn't know what to expect. And I knew um, I knew about this cast. And uh, I guess I did know what to expect. Because Joe texted Duff and I because he watched it first. <laughs> With a warning, if you will, about <laughs> about uh, Peter Sellers, and um, I was like, okay, uh, you know, what, what what's it going to be? So I'll my be- my guess, God, I didn't mean to sound like him there. My guess was, <laughs> my guess was that it was he was going to be uh, kind of like a Middle Eastern character. That was my guess going yeah. into this. I thought it was going to kind of be, you know. Uh, kind of like uh like <laughs> turkish or something like that yeah I, I my exact text was quote a breathtakingly problematic performance by sellers and murder by death laugh my ass off <laughs> <laughs> and then he shows up very 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 early in the movie like within <laughs> 40 seconds I, think. I would say if anyone just turned it on the yeah, pause this podcast and if you could just get it get this movie turn it on when he first appears and talks you will gasp out loud it is it, it is not just his accent he it's everything quite everything. a bit of i want to say prosthetics and makeup Th- this is from like a world war ii propaganda cartoon <laughs> yeah yeah oh boy joe yeah it nails it it that is what it is that is what it is uh, so peter sellers is playing uh chinese yes well, they're all like what, what thinly veiled uh, literary detectives, right? So he's, he's right, Charlie Chan, right? Yes. So that that's, I that's also I, I don't I've never read any of the Charlie Chan books, but I think Charlie Chan lived in Hawaii, but I I don't know. What okay, so I I deep dived into Charlie Chan a little bit, but but go ahead, Duff, and I'll get. Well, it. I was gonna say, and this this isn't me talking. Like I think in the because it's the kind of tenor of this movie, they just refer to him as Oriental, possibly. Like I, he's just supposed to be like yeah. ethnic. Like the, that's the type of subtlety this is. Right. Which is, yeah. To be clear, people aren't Oriental. But this movie doesn't go by that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie does not follow those rules. Uh, it's not murder by death. It's uh, insult by racism. Is what uh, <laughs> what happens a lot. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot of. I mean, think of like all the pronoun like you know dropping pronouns and just slurring your you know not being able to do ours it's like all the looney tunes uh send-ups except like they were still going with that like 30 40 years later for this movie right and it's not a bit character this is not like he's there for a joke and you're like oh boy that was uncomfortable and you move on it is i'm guessing character that's that's his character and (laughs) I, I, he prob- I mean, Peter Sellers, I would not be surprised if he has the most screen time. And so at Joe's point is like each of these characters are essentially a send up of um, a, a parody, a pastiche. I don't know of like. Well, it's, uh, it's all parodies of detective stories. Uh, David Niven and is his wife Maggie Smith or Elsa yes. Langas? Yeah. So yeah. they're Nick and Nora Charles from The Thin Man. Yep. Um Peter Falk is uh, Sam Spade. Yep, essentially, yeah, essentially uh, 
Humphrey Bogart. James Coco is doing the, uh, how do you pronounce that dude's name? I was from... hoping one of you guys would say it before I would. Milo Perrier is but the it's a, character. It's a oh, Hercule Poirot. Yes. Yeah. Agatha Christie's, yep. And then the one I, and I was familiar with those. Um, and and I'm only familiar with Charlie Chan because I believe he's referenced in Reservoir Dogs by Harvey Keitel. Yeah, when they when he, that little book that that guy's reading at the beginning. Yes, yeah. that's all I know about Charlie Chan until like, I looked into. I know it there was a series of films or shorts uh, about uh, an Asian detective, and right. that that's what I know about Charlie Chan. Um, well, just and to, then when it, I just did... to complete it, uh, yeah, Elsa Lanchester plays like a parody of Miss Marple. Who yeah. I don't know who Miss Marple that's, is. That's another Agatha Christie thing, which yeah, I I didn't Miss Marple, I... but I don't know Miss Marple. Yeah, yeah, that's I an Agatha. Either. She she's a character in, in other Agatha Christie books. Um, so so that is clever, I think, in general that that's what this movie is doing. And and to kind of continue the plot synopsis, they all get invited to this house, and uh, there's a a blind butler played by uh, Alec Guinness, or as I affectionately call them during the movie, Old Blind Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was just a year before George Lucas ruined the rest of Alec Guinness's life. <laughs> So that's that's what makes Alec Guinness fascinating, right? Is like the like peeling back the layers of like as most people our age and younger learn about Alec Guinness. At first, you're like, oh, Obi Wan, right? Like you learn about him and that, and then like Bridge Over River Kwai is like, you know, I would say the next thing that people go to. But yeah. like, he's got this entire career. I'm Lawrence Arabia as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then he has this entire career. You know, he was a he was a comedy star. He did the original Lady Killers and a right, bunch of other and coronets, which I've seen. And it's it's interesting because like I've seen some of those movies, so it's not so weird for me to see old blind Kenobi like <laughs> doing <laughs> doing his silliness in this movie. But I can I have to imagine that most people who saw this movie after Star Wars that just must be all they can think of is like that's Ben Kenobi. Yeah, but he doesn't really. I didn't really think he. He looks a lot different in this movie than he, he does. does in Star Wars. So, like, I bet, like, it, it's possible that a lot of pe- people watching it might not even realize. If you were a guy. kid, I don't think you would have. Oh, any for idea. sure you wouldn't. Um, uh, and so he's there, and he invites all the guests in, and there's a lot of pratfalls, and it's it's a very silly and absurd movie. Like, it is, um, very over the top and silliness. And, and, and there and are I some. W- I will say there's a couple. I did laugh at him with the stamps when he licks them and just affixes them to the table. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, this movie just keeps going back to the well. Like it'll land one really good joke. Right. And then it's like, hey, he's blind. It's like, yep. yeah, I know. We, we got that two hours ago. Can you mix it up a little bit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, 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 is, that, is, that is very true. Uh, so the blind man brings him in. And they're like, oh, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, Truman Capote shows up. <laughs> we find out he's the host. And the whole idea is he's going to find out he thinks he's the greatest detective or criminologist ever. And so he's inviting everyone there who are like the five greatest uh, detectives all at the same time. And then he's going to – someone's going to get murdered, and they're not going to be able to figure out who it is. And that will prove to everyone and himself that he is the smartest one. Do I, do I essentially have that right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's all a big game. Um and then obviously someone ends up dead and then there's a lot of switching rooms and like that stuff's fun. It's stuff that like rooms change and people go in and out and disappear and like all the stuff that you see in Clue, 
um, this does as well. Um, but I, this does feel like a movie in my mind that if you didn't see this when you were a kid, I don't know. I don't understand how, like, an adult seeing it for the first time, especially now, especially with the racisms and the homophobias, uh, yeah, isn't bothered by The it. other thing is it rely, and this is true of spoofs in general, in, in that you have to come with a preset knowledge base. Yeah. And, you know, for people of, like, the greatest generation and boomers, like, there was a lot of whodunits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to bring it back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean doing that a little I bit. I mean, right? yeah, Ryan Johnson, he started it, and hopefully the... I mean, I'm excited about Knives Out 2, and hopefully, you know, hopefully that keeps going. Uh, but, he's yeah. He's that Columbo-type show coming out, too, and right? He's doing Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, Natasha... Uh, Lion Leon, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, whodunits were much bigger in probably the first half of the 20th century and into the 60s. And, you know, like, we were talking about, it's like, some of these things, like, I, I will recognize that they exist, but I don't know... You know, I've seen The Thin Man. I don't know The Thin Man well enough. To right, do. yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I've seen The Thin Man not that, like, not that long ago, too. Unless I read that, like, they are portraying, you know, the characters yeah. in The Thin Man. I would not have picked that up. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know anything about Miss Marple. I don't know, you know, whatever. What's the French guy's name? Hyrule or whatever? He's not French. He's Belgian. Oh, he's Belgian. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. You've never never seen any of those Poirot movies? I I have not. Oh. I mean, some of them are really good. The not, the not, you're not going to believe it. The Kenneth Branagh ones are bad. Oh, weird. The Kenneth Branagh (laughs) ones aren't very good? Wow. (laughs) I only only watched the Orient Express one and terrible. I'm, I'm not watching. His remake of Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile, the original one. Uh, Peter Ustinov is the best Poirot, and uh, his uh, Death uh, Death on the Nile is good. It's a fun time. I don't love the uh, the original Oriental or uh, Orient Express. Oh, now see, now look at the way you're talking. Uh, well, <laughs> that's what that's why this been... is problematic because I watched for 90 minutes as Peter Sellers. Look at he did to Duff we're and gonna, I. We're gonna start calling you Larry Sellers now. <laughs> is this your racism, Larry? The other, just one more thing about Peter Sellers is that when just when you think it can't get worse, he comes out in like a, a robe or a <laughs> God. All right, yeah. We, okay, so Charlie Chan. All right, so I, I I did cursory research on Charlie Chan, meaning I somewhat read the Wikipedia article. Right? <laughs> that's that's all. That's enough. You right. skimmed it. Yep. So Charlie Chan is interesting because it starts off I feel like from a good place, and. Uh, quickly falls apart. So there was a real, uh, there was a real detective in the Honolulu Police Department uh, named Chang Pana, who was a Chinese, uh, Chinese Hawaiian, and he was apparently like a renowned detective or whatever in that area. And then this uh, author started writing a series of mystery novels with Charlie Chan based off this guy. Like, okay. And his point was to be like, hey, I'm going to make, I'm going to write an Asian character that is not like a Fu Manchu evil character, right? Okay. He's, he's, you know, not that. We're going to follow. He's smart. He solves mysteries, all this thing, right? And he writes a bunch of novels. I'm not sure how many. Um, Oh, 
Uh, okay, yeah. And then, guys, listen to this. Do you know how many Charlie Chan movies there are? A lot, right? Uh, there are over 48 of them. Okay. And were these were these were these features or were they serialized? I'm not sure because they started in 1926. I think it's serialized. And uh, at the beginning, uh, I believe they they like had an an uh, an uh, Asian actor play him, right? And it didn't like they weren't very you know, they didn't do well. It wasn't very popular. And then they just started hiring uh, European American actors and putting them in yellow face. And then the, sh- the movies kind of took off. So this <laughs> poor Charlie Chan is based off a real guy. The, you know, ideas are right. And then it just turns into yellow face because it's Hollywood. Peter Sellers. <clears throat> How much is it just because of Dr. Strangelove that we just let it all go? Uh, I, I don't know that we let it all go. Okay. I mean, that is, <laughs> let's put it this way. If it were not for Dr. Strangelove, he would not be remembered as fondly. I, he because, did. Oh, well, yes, he did, being there too, but yeah. Yeah, being there is, I'm not a big being there fan, but he is very good in that movie. And Ultimately, though, doesn't he just do ethnic comedy? Isn't that kind of what well, he does? Well, he does the Inspector Clouseau thing, which is very broad and... Mm-hmm. And even the stuff he does in Doctor Strangelove. Well, I mean, am I wrong? Are we we're calling that ethnic comedy? <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, but it is sort of like a guy playing a like a German guy. Like, I don't right. Uh huh. But the, the guy, how is that? What's wrong with that? I'm just saying you can't describe any of the roles Peter Seller played without describing the country that they're from. Well, be, uh, being there would be. I mean, to be fair, with at least the Pink Panther movies and Doctor Strangelove, those are not subtle movies. Like, those, like, there's no way to play those roles in a subtle way. And it's, my mom loved those Pink Panther movies, and I know I've seen some of them. I've, like, I never really took to them because I think they're very, they're very slapsticky, and I'm not a huge fan of that type of humor. I remember Um, just being really disappointed they weren't cartoons. Uh, yeah, because the beginning is a cartoon. Like yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, like, watch this. He also did a movie, Peter Soto's did a movie called The Party, I looked up, where he does um, brown face in that one. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, man, does all this guy do is just, like, <laughs> like they're like, hey, we have a new role for you. He's like, what race are they? <laughs> what what country are they from? Well, yeah, I, I mean, like, it. he's just, like, he's an accent guy, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we... You know, we talked about him when we did our Casino Royale episode. Uh, not a great dude. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. We do. Yeah, if you want on that, you can just join our Patreon, and we talked about Casino Royale, the, like, weird Bond movie that's not a Bond movie. Man, that was that a him, weird movie. Uh, and uh, 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 David Niven was also in, right? Yeah. From this movie? Um, I think all right. He, I think he's had equal amounts of heart attacks and wives before he departed this earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it was four or five each. Yeah. Uh, maybe each one caused the other one, one way or the other. I don't know. Uh, he is. Yeah. Um, I do remember him being good in Kubrick's Lolita, and I don't think he has an a- an accent there. I've yeah, never he, seen it. He is good in it, but, but okay. you know, like that's that's funny that, like, you know, you talk about, like, his problematic career, and it's like, <laughs> well, he is good in Lolita. Yeah, his... <laughs> 
the most problematic movie on his face, he probably had the most restrained performance. And I, 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 I know I keep bringing it up, and but like being there is a, a pretty restrained performance too. No, I, again, like I, being there, I feel like is, I feel like the whole goal of being there is to make fun of people who like to watch TV, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's as smart as a lot of people do, but he is very good in that. Yeah. Uh, well, anything else on Peter Sellers? I mean, anything, uh, do we want anything else we want to talk about this character? I mean, the other thing I think we need to talk about is not only is this character, uh, <laughs> is there a lot of racisms? Not only that, but like a big part, and this goes back to, and first off, Mike, I'm sorry we didn't like this movie. Um, but, uh, the, um, like, you know, about this movie having a joke and then saying that joke over and over again. Like, one of the big jokes in the movie is that the Truman Capote character is mad that the Peter Sellers character doesn't speak proper English and keeps, and yeah. keeps, like, correcting him. He doesn't, over over he doesn't again. use pronouns. Um, like, what, what is, Truman Capote is awful in this movie. I mean, you—it's his first movie. I—I I just view Truman Capote showing up for this movie after like a a cocaine bender at Andy Warhol's factory. Like, all right, what am I doing? <laughs> He—it's—it's it's an interesting choice. He has the look for the part, you know. He's I mean, a little weird-looking guy. But I was gonna say, is it problematic guy? to say he is freaky-looking? He how shows up. You, and, how did he end up in this movie? Well, so I'm wondering. So this movie is written by Neil Simon. Now, it was probably. I mean, Truman Capote like went to all those parties, and I'm sure that you know he knew Neil Simon or any of the famous people in it. Right, that's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing there's some Neil Simon connection. Have you guys ever seen any Neil Simon movies? I've seen The Odd Couple. Yeah. Okay. And I've I've seen a stage production of Lost in Yonkers years ago, okay. which I so thought I haven't was very seen good. enough. Uh, like, and I haven't seen any of his, like, I haven't seen any of his like I haven't gone to an actual Neil Simon play, but you know, I've seen this, <clears throat> which is a a real big negative, and I've seen um, the Out of Towners with Jack Lemmon. <sighs> I can't say either of those two made me want to watch more Neil Simon uh, movies, and it's weird because like I. Maybe just because his name is uh, Neil Simon and it's really close to Paul Simon. <laughs> but I feel like this has got to be the first playwright when I was a child or like a young uh, a teenager like I heard about. Like I remember hearing about – like he was almost a celebrity. Am I wrong on thinking that? No, he was yeah. He was a huge like actual celebrity in the probably 60s like, until – he just died a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean in – in kind of mid-century theaters like him tennessee williams and uh arthur miller like they were like they were like big select <laughs> it was an era when uh playwrights would marry people like marilyn monroe <laughs> this is this is when the publishing uh companies were really in control of new york like uh and a lot of movies we watch right like uh uh yeah i it's just weird because like the other names you mentioned I've seen adaptations of their stuff or read their plays and been like, this is really good. I do not get Neil Simon. It is so broad. And so I don't like, I'm, I don't. To be fair. I don't think that except for the odd couple, I don't know if there is a truly great movie based on a Neil Simon property. I could be wrong. Uh, there's one Elaine may directed. I, it's the only one I haven't seen uh, with uh, Charles Grodin, who we like. 
Oh, is that uh, Heartbreak Kid? Yes, I haven't seen yeah, that. That's I'd a, like to see that. That's a blind spot. It, you know, that's like it's impossible to find it. Oh, really? Like the, that's the the story of why Heartbreak Kid isn't on DVD or streaming or anything is really fascinating. Like some like shoot, I can't remember what kind of company. It's like an insurance company or something. Okay. Like some some company that has nothing to do with making movies somehow has the rights to it. And like they're just they just have no interest in putting it out there because they they probably There's no profit in it. Yeah. So the, like they have no like root in sort of the artistic world so like even if it was like a modest profit that they would maybe make if say they sold the rights to the criterion collection or something like that it's like yeah why go through the work to do it well i guess if uh listeners if you if there's like a neil simon movie or written work that you're really into i'd be interested in it's just man i don't know it all just feels very broad and honestly the stuff i've seen like very boomery where it's like okay i mean it is (laughs) it is very boomery but i i think i mean from what i've from what i know is you know it's very witty and it's very based in his jewish uh brooklyn upbringing okay and i think it comes Again, I'm. I don't know. Aside from this and the Odd Couple, I haven't seen any movies, but I think it comes through much better on stage. Okay. Well, I mean, that's probably true. The only, the, you know, it's just the fact that I know he's listed as like the screenwriter on these movies, so it's not like it's just an adaptation. I mean, he's on, had a hand on that too. subject. Uh, the direction of this movie is just terrible. And it's, it's very. I put and, the camera down, <laughs> and it's very obvious that this is a person who comes from theater. It's uh, yeah. Someone, uh, Robert Moore, Robert mm-hmm. Moore, Moore or Moore, but Moore. Uh, it's you can just tell it's like, all right, we only need one lighting setting, <laughs> just put the camera down, and let's shoot. <laughs> like it is really, it it feels like a three camera setup for a sitcom. It is just everything is washed out, and it just it it does not do it for me at all. He uh, he uh, he did a play in 1974 called My Fat Friend. <laughs> or 1972. Right. My I'm, Fat I'm Friend. I'm interested. I'm interested. <laughs> uh, here's the plot. Uh, the comedy is an ugly My duck friend is tail. fat. That's the plot. <laughs> ugly duck and tail about an overweight young woman who attracts the attention of a potential suitor. With the help of her friends and roommates... Oh, God. She undergoes a diet and exercise regime to shed the extra pounds she assumes she needs to lose in order to hold the man's attention. It's a comedy, guys. Sounds hilarious. Yeah, sounds really funny. Was this the movie Shallow Hal? (laughs) 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 Hold on. The cast did include John Lithgow. Okay. What year is this? So if I ever... If 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 you ever meet meet John Lithgow, Lithgow, you're going to be like, hey, talk about my fat friend. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, hold on, I have a question. Tell me about blowout. Second question, what about my fat friend? <laughs> I'm sure he gets it and all the time. If time allows, Harry and the Andersons, please. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, okay. That that's probably the John Lithgow movie I've seen the most, actually. I watched that a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, I've, oh, I've, yeah. I've seen that quite a few times. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Oh well, because wow. you guys well, are listeners aware, for fifty dollars, of... you can make Rob watch Harry and the Hester Hendersons. You, you guys are aware there's a lot of like blind spots of like movies that kids in the eighties watched, and I I did not mm. because 
I'm blaming Spooner. Okay, that's what I'm blaming ultimately. So someone checked it out from the blockbuster in uh, like Trigo or something, and uh, and never returned it, so you couldn't Their watch VCR Harry. Their VCR ate it, and no one else could ever watch it. I bet you. It's a good question. The nearest blockbuster. I bet you the nearest blockbuster. I don't know this. Oh, Claire. Probably. I bet you nearest blockbuster was an hour and a half away. Did you have a grocery store with videotapes? Yeah. So there was there was um, there, not very far from my house. Well, okay, there's, there's two. Yes, there was like convenience stores, like you know stores that kind of sold all sorts of stuff that would be in um, near uh, areas that I lived in that you could go to and they would have like VHSs that you could rent. And I, and we've talked about this in the past, but like there's nothing more fascinating than wandering around and like looking at uh, covers of movies and trying to decide what you want to yeah. rent. Uh, it's time. not quite captured by just endlessly scrolling on no, uh, the streaming platform sure. uh, at all. Uh, so yeah, uh, but no blockbuster. I didn't use my first blockbuster until I was in college. We didn't get actually. We didn't get Blockbuster, at least one local to us, like in the suburbs, until I say it was like eight or nine. We had there was a chain in the Twin Cities called uh, Tidal Wave, which was ba- it was basically T I T L E T I T L E. No, Tidal, but I mean it was kind of a a pun, but it was T I D A L. But why uh, not just call it? Okay. I, I don't, I don't I get know. It, but, like, I don't get why you don't complete that joke if you're making that Well, company. go back to, like, 1985 and ask them. Cause, right, okay. <laughs> uh, but Tidal Wave was kind of... I think they sold CDs as well. So they, they would sell CDs and videotapes, and then uh, that, was, that was also our rental place. Uh, the other thing I remember about that is... Uh, it had the the adult section behind a curtain. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The... And I just remember, like, I thought that, like, when I was young, I thought that the adult section was like, you know, like, really long, boring movies. Like, that's, oh really? Like, I maybe my parents told me that, and it just took took root. But for like for a while, I'm like, oh, it's like I imagine that's where movies like Ordinary People or something would be. <laughs> <laughs> like that's where you go to rent the English Patient. The adult section. <laughs> <laughs> the English patient. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, what was the name of the store? <laughs> Duff, I, this is, Duff, your brain is so broken, I expect you to know the answer to this. And I'm glad that we are friends that you can expect me to ask this question. What was the name of the store that Jacob Wetterling rented a movie from when he got kidnapped? Uh, so I'm like 80% sure it was Tom Thumb. It was Tom Thumb. You are right. That is it. It was a Tom Thumb. The only, I mean, Tom Thumb was a chain. Like uh, Tom Thumb was kind of like, uh, I mean, su- like super, not supermarkets, uh, gas stations are so regional. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was Wisconsin. Do you have Speedway, formerly Super America? Uh, Super America did exist up in northern Wisconsin, yeah. where I was at. Yeah, I mean Tom Thumb was like that. Okay, okay. Um, wow. Do you remember? Thank you. I'm so glad you knew it. I didn't know it as soon as you said Tom Thumb. It, it rang a bell. Do you um, remember what movie it was? Oh boy, I don't. You do, don't you? I this one on the left. <laughs> come on, this right, on come left. on, Duff. Are you okay? <laughs> But the moments like this stuff is when <laughs> you, I'm just, all I can think of is, God, you're my favorite person. You are this, one of a kind, man. This I want to say it was Major League. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been in this Murder by Death movie, Duff. 
Your attention to detail and memory. Oh yeah, great point. God, it wasn't you Major as a League, detective was, with all these. It was 1989. These... Was Major League out in 1989? Yeah. It was. God, you're right. Here it comes a cr- here comes a cursed Google search. What movie did Jacob Wetterling <laughs> rent? So if you don't. <laughs> We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, but if not, uh, Jacob Waterling, uh, when we were kids um, in the late 80s, was like a, I don't know, 10 or 11-year-old that got uh, kidnapped. And they did not find out what happened until like uh, five years ago or something. And uh, as is true with almost every uh, horrible random crime or serial killer, it was more that the cops were just dumb as rocks. (laughs) Right. But I think for us, the important thing is like, like important, important. I'm trying to think of like important um, uh, people or important stories told of people I never met in my childhood that I could think of would be like Santa Claus and Jacob Wetterling. If you like, were in yeah. pro- probably like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa area right. in 1989, you, there were billboards. There were it was on the news every night. Okay, yeah. so I just looked it up and I was uh-huh. wrong. But I was not far off. Uh, They rented the Naked Gun. Okay, you weren't far off. You weren't far off. Man. Do you think they got the video back? (laughs) The the late fees they racked up was crazy. Do you think they brought it back and they're like, "Uh, this isn't Rewound. It's like, uh, my child was kidnapped. (laughs) Well, they didn't. didn't, I don't think they ever got it back, did they? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Maybe that's why you couldn't watch Harry and the Hendersons probably they're like you can't go rent movies some, some kid was some kid was riding his bike home with harry and the hendersons and we just didn't hear about that case some pedo nabbed him and then no one got to see harry and the hendersons anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the guy the guy was riding driving the same station wagon as the family in that movie and the kid was like oh what a coincidence i'll get in <laughs> man this is our like most random poorly organized episode we've ever recorded maybe i listen i and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record. I tried to come up with things to talk about for this movie. I researched. I really had nothing. I, should we there... should we skip to my question because that does that is right. rooted in the movie. I feel like well, we owe uh, a little I, bit. I just we do... I have I have one more uh, digression on this. Yes, okay. thank uh, God. <laughs> so I don't. I know I've talked about this with you guys. I don't know if I've talked about it on air. Uh, oh no! Isn't it? Isn't it kind of depressing that? You know, as technology advances and DNA testing and whatnot is like the mystique of serial killers go away and you just realize that cops are terrible at their job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, and like that... you find out like all those movies that we liked when we were kids, like, you know, like Silence of the Lambs and stuff and like, you know, being a profiler, like all of that has just been ducked, like debunked as hooey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as someone who listens to a lot of serial killer podcasts at times, it is it's not that the serial killer is really smart. And the thing is is it's also more anything else, it's just that like different especially even pre DNA, like different um like departments just wouldn't talk to each other. So you're just like, ah, they don't even know. And then know. and then on top of that, because serial killers are usually white dudes, um, they just usually get a pass. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it is you know, because growing up you you know, you hear about like, oh, the Zodiac killers, this genius who makes all these these clues and whatnot and you just realize like no cops are just really stupid (laughs) i wonder that when they like canvas and they like talk to people like i had an alibi and i'm like what are they 
did people were people going out all the time? They always had alibis, or were they just like, what were you doing on Wednesday? Uh, I was grilling outside. Okay, well, checks out. I was grilling outside. That's what he said he was doing. I mean, <laughs> the guy who was eventually found guilty in the Jacob Wetterling case, he buried this kid's body, went home, and then like later, you know, he's like, oh. That probably wasn't a good spot. Went back, dug him up, and <laughs> reburied him. Yeah, yeah. He he is not he's not exactly like Hannibal Lecter genius. <laughs> a funny thing, like someone was uh you know on the on the social media you know posted one of those charts about like the plummeting clearance rate of murders in the United States over over the decades, and and someone was like why or some you know idiot was just like how could this be with dna evidence we should be catching more of them and actually so someone else i thought this was clever and i wish i had thought of it they're like actually the clearance rates are going way down because of dna evidence it's harder for them to frame people now (laughs) that's i actually think that seems pretty convincing to me yeah also cameras like everyone has a camera in their pocket yeah, and how often when things are cracked, it's just like someone on, like someone just did it as like on their own to look into it. Like I figured it out, guys. Half the time it's like Reddit people, like, yeah. oh, I think we, I think we cracked the Golden State Killer case. <laughs> if if I ever am go missing, I, I give you guys permission. Just don't even go to the cops. Just like dig up Peter Sellers' corpse and have him try to find. <laughs> him. I will. Just, I will go. We will do an episode. We will do an episode and be like, listeners, help us find Joe. Um. And this is related to this movie because ultimately the people in this movie, the detectives, are trying to figure out what happened to uh, the the uh, Obi uh, old blind Kenobi is the body that they're trying to figure out what happened, what, who killed him. Uh, there are twists and turns and twists and turns. There are about seven false endings in this movie. Yeah. Uh, one uh, after the and other. one thing that the clever killer uses or, uh, in part of his scheme is it turns out the body was actually made of plastic. <laughs> and these incredible detectives couldn't figure that out. Yeah, even though like there's a scene where someone is inspecting the body and they I, touch the body. And I think <laughs> And isn't there a kind of funny joke about like accidentally put a finger inside the body? He, no, he like set, uh he like sees a hole and he's like, "Oh, that's not a bullet hole." So it's like his his butt. Yeah, like, I actually thought that was kind of amusing, but, uh, yeah, these aren't very good detectives. <laughs> no, no, they aren't. And, and, like, to be fair, the movie is played entirely as a comedy. Yeah, and and I uh, I will say, I love Peter Falk. No, no movie with Peter Falk can be all bad. And right. Even though a lot of his material isn't great, yeah, he's uh, always enjoyable in this movie. So um, it's interesting to me how, uh, and once again, this is kind of similar to the Alec Guinness thing, right? Like once you get like the role that you're known for, like that's all people know. And whatever you did before, no one cares, right? Like Same with Alec Guinness. So Peter Falk, uh, I was reading some like uh, the letterbox reviews on this movie and the people who like it are like in a shockingly, incredibly dramatic role. Like, you know, like a weirdly like good dramatically um Peter Falk in this movie and I was like Peter Falk was in like a bunch of Cassavetes movies in the early 70s yeah like, he's an f- incredible actor yeah he's so I mean obviously my first impression of him is Columbo because my yes. parents would watch reruns but I you know I remember him from a woman under the influence uh 
and I also think of him. Uh, he he plays himself in uh, Wings of Desire, but he's. I mean, it's a very meta movie, but he's great in that. I during the the pandemic, I did go on a bit of a Columbo watching spree. And uh, if people are interested, I have <laughs> uh, I have my top three Columbo episodes because it's beauty about Columbo. You don't have there's no they are they are murder of the week. It does not matter which episode you watch. The order you jump around, you do not need to watch this in order. This is not like, you know, binge TV where it's like I need to see what happens next. Each one is like its own little detective show. It is awesome. Columbo is awesome. Yeah. Falk is awesome. It's um, you know, it's in that vein of uh murder she wrote or yes. uh Rockford Files. It's just each week, you know, you know everything's going to get wrapped up. Maybe like once in a while there'll be a two-parter, but I miss non-serialized drama. Comedy too, but especially drama. Like, are there even any, I mean, except for like all the, you know, the MAGA chud shows on CBS. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I would assume like that 911 show is probably fairly episodic. Oh, that reminds you, uh, he's a listener of the show, but I was uh, hanging out with one of the listeners of the show and... Uh, we were watching something and there was a 911 ad came on and I was like, "Who watches this garbage?" And he was like, "My wife." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well." In in defense of that show, I've seen clips of some of the deaths in it and they look uh-huh. extremely funny. Like someone dies on an escalator. Yes, I was gonna say that's the one thing I've seen. And again, I have I have nothing against like cliche scripted, uh, you know everything's wrapped up in an hour dramas sure uh it's just you know nowadays it's all that dumb csi propaganda stuff on cbs right yeah uh well here's what i'll say uh uh my three favorites people people care my three favorite colombo episodes the bye bye sky high iq murder case i'll say <laughs> that again the bye bye sky high iq murder case nice. um it's incredibly silly it's very fun uh etude in black which has John Cassavetes in it. And uh, I'm guessing you've seen this one, Duff. Maybe not Double Shock, which is the one of Martin Landau in it. Uh, and, uh... So I... <laughs> Columbo is something that my mom and dad watched a lot, and it was so long ago that I don't remember. So yes. I, I I mean, I would revisit Columbo. We should do a Columbo season. I mean, there were a lot of, like, Columbo movies, <laughs> like, movies of the week, like, two hours. They're, they're all, like, movie length essentially um all right okay that's all i have to say on peter falk i'm I, you know i'm keeping it related a little bit to to the movie um joe you do have a very related question here yeah so actually i guess we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier but uh like kind of as a joke but so if you uh if you had a mystery you're uh you're the the blonde walking into an office because uh, you can't find your sister or whatever um, i'm a femme fatale yeah which of these detectives would you hire to solve your case? I have an answer here, and I think it's an obvious answer. So maybe I'm wrong. All right. I think you're going to go with the uh, uh, the character names are Dick and Dora. It's David Niven and Maggie Smith characters, essentially the thin man, Nick and Nora Charles characters. Yeah, I guess I should be clear. Are, are we – and I'm the one that came up with the question. Do you guys want to do the the characters in this movie or the characters that they're parodying? I did the characters in this movie. Okay, that's fine. Just wanted to make, um, make sure we're clear on it. What because we- he does, in the movie, he does seem to, like, have an understanding of what's happening, and his ideas are generally correct. 
and not like insane. Um, also, Maggie Smith is a snack. <laughs> and and they'll always have a martini to give you. Was yes. she in Caligula or am I? No, I'm thinking of Judy Dench or not Judy Dench. Uh, um, Helen Mirren. That's what Helen I'm thinking Mirren. of. Yeah. Um, I will also say we mentioned Peter Falk. We should probably mention there's also some like a, like a lot of the jokes like, "Hey, aren't you gay?" Some uh, of them are kind of funny. I will admit. Like I I thought the joke about him having Muscle Man magazines <laughs> that made me laugh. Sure. Sure, but that's like another joke. They're just like, but yes, it does. It. it does go back to that well quite often. Right. Yeah. And I was like, thank God, one of the great American playwrights, Neil Simon, wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also weird because this wasn't a play. Like, it's like I'm going to do a movie. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, what's your answer, Duff, on this? Uh, well, I, I don't know. Within within the movie itself, uh, probably, uh. Peter Fox, Sam Spade character, because he mm-hmm. seems to actually kind of be smart and figure things out at the end, even when it's revealed that he's a an actor hired by Truman Capote. And um, and if we're going by the movies, uh, I would take Nick and Nora Charles because they just they just get sloshed all the time. In Thin Man, like the yeah. real movies, yeah, they're just drunk all the time. What about you, Joe? Well, yeah, if we're gonna go by the real characters, it's Poirot for sure. But he uh, is generally portrayed in a significantly less annoying way. Uh, mm-hmm. The Milo Perry is like probably the most annoying character in this movie, right? Yes. Yeah. I just don't like like the food humor; just doesn't do it for me. I guess. Right. That's his whole thing: is he's big and he's hungry. yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of fat guy humor. Like when they're in the car, he's like, "You have bones." Yes. Yes. Also, this That's... is uh, his butler is James Cromwell in his film debut. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping Babe would show up. <laughs> I, I would say I would agree. I would also go with Peter Falk's character because at least if the crime doesn't get solved, he's at least he's at least gonna piss off the people that wronged me, even if he can't nab them. Uh, there's a sequel to this movie, guys. Did you were you aware of that? Hmm. The the same director, Robert Moore, directed one called The Cheap Detective that came out two years later. Another fascinating cast. Um, Peter Falk is back. Madeline Kahn is in it. Um, Dom Deleuze, D- Dom uh, Deleuze, Dom Deleuze. Thank so you. So is he picking up the the fat guy joke mantle from James <laughs> Uh He was playing Pepe Damascus. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and Margaret Eileen Brennan, uh, Sid Sid Caesar. I mean, again, uh, again, Abe like Goda. Again, like if you just told me this cast, I'd be like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Oh, James Coco's back as Marcel, so he's he's still in it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of like TV. Uh, Scatman Crothers is in it. <laughs> um, Paul Williams. <laughs> uh, very strange. So what else do we got here? I, Clue. We mentioned Clue. We should talk about Clue. Yeah, like uh, that. That's the other thing you mentioned earlier about how you kind of have to probably see this movie for the first time at a young enough age, right? And before racism was bad. <laughs> to really enjoy it but if you've seen clue first this one's got no chance like clue just basically d- does a lot of the same stuff but superior in every single way yeah like when this was done i'm like i was like oh i wish clue was streaming somewhere on a service i had 
Yeah, Clue Clue is so like it's shocking how good Clue is, and we talk about like we talk about we're, like going to video stores. I really remember renting Clue, uh, and how much I enjoyed it as a kid. And I re- recently rewatched it again, and I was like, this is still this is still great. Um, also, Yvette the maid uh, has rent free lives in the space of my brain forever, and that's fine. She could stay there. Uh, our last bit here is murder mystery parties. Have you guys ever been to a murder mystery no. party? Yes. Oh, really? I I have, but I don't have any good stories. Honestly, I feel like after an hour, like we got bored of it and <laughs> just stopped. Yeah. So that's what happened on mine too. Is is it was a very thrown together one. It was many years ago, and it was like, uh, more of like a friend of a friend, and like we were invited. My wife and I were invited, and we went, and uh, like no one was. There was like there was just no time like so there was no time to like prepare or to like if you wanted to do costumes or like any of the stuff you would do like i feel ultimately like a murder mystery party is kind of like pro wrestling where the it's more enjoyable the more you let yourself into it i think we were kind of the same boat it was just like oh i got this board game it's a murder mystery party like you can't do that it's yeah. uh um, um i think <laughs> i think of in book smart like you have to go like that <laughs> like right. that you have to you know at, Everyone needs costumes, and there has to be like someone who literally plays a dead body. Yeah, and I have I I've t- I, I know other friends who have gone, and it sounds like like the people they went with like did that. And you know, it's easier to go all in when everyone else is going all in. It's a little different when you walk in and everyone's just kind of like being their normal selves. Like, oh, am I supposed to be a character now? And it's like, okay, well, this is not going to work. Like everyone's just standing around with beers in their hand and jeans and t-shirts. Like, oh, uh, okay, what what's my uh, role? <laughs> My name is Steve, and I was a uh, star football player. <laughs> uh, Duff, I ask this because you and I similarly have – we're broken, broken brains. Um, when you were invited to the murder mystery party, and uh, it's often couples, was part of you like, is this like code for key party? Is this like the bougie way of doing key parties? Okay. Wasn't a key party bougie to begin with? Yeah, like, you're you right. <laughs> is it a is it is it the way you talk about a key party around the kids? <laughs> <laughs> M- Mommy and Daddy are gonna role play tonight. <laughs> the first thing I was gonna say is that hasn't it kind of like been debunked that like no one actually went yeah, to a key right, party? Yeah. So I I I don't know if we talked about this on air, but I did. Uh, listen, party. the pandemic creates moments in your life, and oh. I did spend a long time reading. Uh, more than Wikipedia, like really digging in to be like, was key parties a real thing or is it just a thing we talk about? It's not a real thing. It's not a thing that uh, actually it's, happened. It's just one of those, you know, it's the same as like razor blades and Halloween candy. Like it's just an urban myth where it's always, oh yeah, like my my cousin knew a guy, his his wife left him because <laughs> left him because of the guy at the with the key party. Hooked <laughs> up. Yeah, it, it's because like the big thing I read is like, you know, people who are actually swingers. Like, a big part of that lifestyle is obviously consent, not just reaching into a bowl <laughs> and being like, well, I guess this is the person. Now we do things together. And also, just thinking about, like, have you ever tried to organize anything on your block? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, like a, a, a fun drive or a, a donation or like a block party or whatever. Now just think about like, and it, again, this is the 70s. There's no email. You got to go door to door. Yeah. There's no doodle. Yeah. 
Like, you go door, you have to, like, knock. It's like, oh, hey, Ron, lawn's looking good. Uh, so I am uh, thinking. <laughs> you and your wife busy? Listeners, if you've been to a key party, let us know. Uh, this movie would have been different if it was a key party. They all are coupled up. <laughs> One's with his son. Well, adopted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Uh, all right. Is there anything else? <laughs> I have. I have a not. It's not murder or key party related, but I have a funny oh, okay. anecdote, and this just reminded me. So, um, the we went over to this these friends' house to play the murder mystery party. Um, that their parents, who were uh, boomer age, uh, they not just once but a couple times had a gone with the wind party Mm. oh no and one time uh we were invited to go to the gone with the wind party and you did have to dress up Uh (laughs) so i mean i think carrie and i like threw something together and went uh but one of the peter sellers there no but uh one of our the people in this friend group uh was black and uh, someone else uh, of much older than did did don some blackface to come to come to this oh gone, no to come to this gone with the wind party out in the burbs um and it was actually very funny because um the friend who was black it was married to a white woman and the black guy he was kind of like uh oh white people and he was just used to it and his wife like had a fit and like accosted this woman and he was like just it's okay just whatever it is what it's white people just it is what it is so wow well good for her um that was quite an evening (laughs) (laughs) was that the last gone with the wind party they had uh i don't know about that it was the last time we went to that party why why would you even want to do that like who who wants to make a party based on that boring stuff almost like what are are people doing boring gone with the wind (laughs) Who sits down and watches Gone with the Wind? It's long. It looks like it sucks. I'm not watching that stupid movie. What a party about something cool. What do you... God. It's my it's my mother-in-law's favorite movie. Well, that, well, yeah. Okay. Like, if you're going to do a movie from the 30s that everyone's going to, like, have a theme party on, do Freaks. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> or, do, or do Thin Man. Just get drunk. Yeah. Bring your dogs. Perfect, Scott. That's a good idea, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of else? us. One of us. <laughs> yeah, you can chant that before you like drink. That sounds Google gobble, Google gobble. <laughs> Anything else either of you want to talk about about murder by death? Um, uh, Mike. Uh, boy, I thank yeah, you and sorry. sorry. Um, um, but if you were like, wow, they did such a great job, I would like to know more. Uh, yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys for two dollars a month to get access to like, I don't know, two dozen more epi- episodes. And for fifty dollars, you can uh, request us to talk about a movie that we may or may not like. We'll be honest. Uh, and uh, I think it's like six dollars a month and you can help make decisions on what we talk about for our seasons and our um, special uh, episodes that only the patrons get. So that's that. Murder by death. Um there's racisms in it. That's 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 the warning. Uh, be prepared. <laughs>